welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. This week, I sat down with Austin Smith. He's an agronomist, owner and director at SMS Rural Services with their head office based in Horsham. He hails from a sheep and cattle farm and he's spent a lot of time in South Australia in the mid-north and he'll talk a little bit about this in his interview, of course. From an early age, Austin's always been passionate for agriculture, which has only grown stronger over the years, although we do sort of talk a little bit about how he's career progressed and wasn't always directing him to ag. He actually then decided on agriculture and began a traineeship in agronomy and he learned diligently about agronomy, climbing the ranks and eventually getting his diploma. Austin has a diverse experience in hay export, farm supplies and animal merchandise and he's now based in Horsham and he lends his expertise to a range of broadacre farming properties, all while servicing and being one of the leaders and directors at SMS Rural. He's a huge advocate of all of the technological advancements that are coming through in ag and committed to leveraging innovation through sustainability. We have some awesome chats about leadership, uh, evolving leadership and how to really grow and expand your knowledge and your business, but also he provides some really great advice and wise words during this episode. So for anyone out there looking to start their own business or be part of a company in a larger capacity, this is a great episode for you. So let's get into the episode. Austin, thank you so much for joining me on the Generation Ag podcast. Very excited to chat to you today. The first question we always ask every one of our guests is a little bit about telling us about your childhood, growing up in the regions and your connection to agriculture. Thanks, Lavinia. Yeah, I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm at Dartmoor in Western Victoria. When I was quite young, my father actually sold the farm during the forestry boom there and uh, we moved to Kapunda in the mid-north of South Australia, where he opened uh, a couple of rural reseller businesses himself under the CRT banner. When I was 18, I moved from Kapunda to Horsham, um, working for JT Johnson & Sons. Um, they're a hay export company, family-owned hay export company out of Kapunda, and they've got a processing facility here in Horsham. So I moved here working out of their processing facility and helped on their corporate farm north of Neil for a, for a hay season. When I was 18... I started employment at Elders and um, they were kind enough to offer me an agronomy traineeship. So they put me through Longrenon College um, while I was working full-time and I did the advanced diploma in agronomy online. During that time, I had the chance to move to Caniva and be the merchandise manager at the fresh fresh age of 20 years old at a small branch in Caniva there. And then in September 2020, I was approached by SMS Rural to come on as a, an agronomist and buy equity in the business and become a director. So I've been a director for three or so years now. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for that. That gives us a really good scope. I want to just jump back to you. Obviously, you've always been in agriculture. Has that always been the career path for you? It seems like you've obviously, it's the natural progression, but is that always the way that you wanted to go? During high school, I sort of wanted to be a physio. Yeah, this probably has been pretty natural because I've always been surrounded by 
by ag to a degree, probably saying I understood how interesting agriculture could be and how enjoyable I find the career now. Well, I was pretty naive when I was younger, so I don't think it's really been the career path I always had my mind set on, but, yeah, now I'm into it. I'm certainly bloody happy I did. Yeah, definitely, especially as you've had a lot of different career paths since you obviously decided to be in agriculture. Can you tell us a little bit more about that traineeship that you undertook in ag and sort of how that impacted your career path? Yeah, so elders were great to me when I was young and keen to learn. They were keen to put me through a training agronomy course. So I did that and was sort of helped guided by um, my managers and staff in Horsham and also the Elders Agronomy Network. I had the ability to go and sort of tack onto the back of their graduate program, although I hadn't even been to uni, which was, I was very lucky for. And then, um, yeah, once I got into that and I really started learning and surrounding myself with like-minded people, I really caught the agronomy bug and, yeah, I've seriously loved it ever since. Can you tell us a little bit more about your agronomy diploma? I think a lot of people think that the natural pathway now is to go and study agri-science or agribusiness, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about what your sort of study situation was and how that went and what skills and knowledges that you feel that you have really had that's been most valuable to your role now. I think in terms of my agronomy development, we talk to graduate agronomists that we employ here and you see other ones um, in other businesses like ours where they've been to uni and they've done the course and yes they've, they've got the uni degree but I think the, the skills you learn to be an agronomist you sort of only learn on the job so I, I don't personally feel like the university is the be all and end all I think if if you're driven and you're young and you're keen and you just get out there and get your hands dirty well I'm pretty sure anyone will be able to learn it. Yeah I love that I think that's really important and it's obviously been the way that you've been able to manage everything. How do you juggle both sides of this sort of agronomy and being a director? Because I guess that that's a part of the business as well. How do you manage both sides? Because I think agronomy is definitely a job that is really time consuming and really grow a focus. How do you balance all of that? Um, I think you've got to be really sort of regimented in your time management. If you can't manage your time properly, you tend to be running around in circles, which I was guilty of when I first started here at SMS. I was sort of trying to be everywhere at once. But no, typically day-to-day for me, I'll do my paddock work throughout the day. I'll probably have a couple of hours in the office in the morning if I need to, and then I'll, I'll do a bit of work at home after hours if I have to. But generally, because you're trying to work around the farm and schedule too, so they're busy people um, and you don't want to be impeding in, in their lives too much. It's certainly tricky. you just got to be clear on your boundaries and set them for yourselves and somehow you fit it all in. And as an owner, sort of what are those challenges that you face being an owner and director, part of the business of SMS Rural, and also how do you sort of manage that growth stage and your position, obviously, I'm sure is growing into more of a leadership position? We certainly have had some challenges in the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah, finding new staff as the business grows because you sort of, you've got to be careful it's okay to put people on, but we want to have the right people that sort of suit our business model and sort of have the personal characteristics that we look for. So that's been a bit of a challenge. We've been pretty lucky in the last, uh, since the start of last season, where we have had the ability to put some more agronomists on um, and a fertiliser manager and a new procurement manager. So I think the maintaining 
and finding good staff going forward is going to be hard as, as businesses grow and there's less and less people actually in agriculture. Yeah, definitely. Can you tell me a little bit more about that employment style? Like what are things that you guys are doing as a business to really maintain staff, keep staff happy? I think that, yeah, that we're definitely having this conversation across the board in agriculture around employment and, you know, really cultivating great staff within a business. Can you shed some light on this and some of the things that you're doing? I think what we're doing, you know, back in the past, like a young bloke living in Horsham or wherever, you know, and his family were there, Wherever he worked, uh, they're probably going, oh, we only need to pay him 20 bucks now because he's a local bloke. But now it's sort of flipped over the other way and gone, well, this kid's a gun. We like him. He's a local. Let's make sure we pay him plenty so he doesn't go anywhere because it's that hard out here in the regions to find good driven people to be a part of your business. So we're probably, we probably pay higher wages than typically some other businesses might. But at the end of the day, if we don't have these staff here, we're, our business is going nowhere. So. You touched on the fact of being driven. What, from your perspective, is those elements or things that sets you? You're obviously incredibly driven as a person and individual. What is it that sets you apart or why is there these people who are really driven? Like what is it that you feel like makes that difference to be a driven person and excited to evolve and create change and sort of evolve your career into a leadership position? I wouldn't say I'm any different to anyone else, but... um... I probably always question things, always ask why. Yeah, so that, that probably naturally helps when you're doing agronomy or you're trying to solve a problem within a business, just to ask, ask why we're we doing it this way. Why can't we Why can't we look at another option? And in terms of being driven, I think, well, I just love my job really. And then it's I don't I don't struggle getting out of bed every morning. I love dealing with the growers and the staff that we have here. So I don't really find it overly hard to be driven in the situation I'm in just naturally happens clearly. You also obviously, back to mentioning your team, you obviously are cultivating um, a lot more people under you and managing staff. As an individual, what do you do to facilitate being a leader, managing people? What are those things that you're doing to really make sure that you're growing as an individual to be a better leader for other people? Is it something that comes naturally or are you constantly working on? Because I think that this is a conversation that's probably part of that employment and that culture that we've got to continue to cultivate to keep good people in our businesses. Yeah, I think it certainly comes back to communication and I've worked on this a lot myself in the last two or three two or three years. I've done a number of uh, leadership-type courses I was lucky enough to do one with Syngenta where they took me to Sydney, um, put me through a foundations of leadership course there, which was probably the best thing I ever did. But I think in terms of managing the staff and making sure they're in a happy work environment, um, just the open communication, being willing to ask the questions and check in all the time. We do have a sort of an official review process we do at the end of each year, but I think the the regular off-the-cuff check-ins with all your staff, as they get through the busy seasons and everyone's fairly stressed and wired, I feel like that's really important. Yeah, that's awesome that they're such great things to implement into a business. I'd encourage anyone though to, um, like if you get it, it sounds a bit wanky, my language, but these leadership courses are seriously good. Like if you're ever in a position where you're managing staff and it's new to you or you're in a management role, go and do one would be my suggestion. 
Yeah. And I'm sure in your business as well, like you're always looking forward to seeing what else you can do to evolve yourself as a leader. Obviously that's such a great thing that you've done that course, but I bet that you're always out on the lookout for things that are going to keep evolving you to be better to help support your staff. So I think that that's a great element of like becoming a better leader, which you can see you're excited about, which is so awesome as well. Obviously, another part of the future of ag is the involvement of technology and advancements. I would love just firstly, you've been in ag for a long time now. What have been some of the things that you've seen transition in the last couple of years? And then a second part to that, what are you most excited to see growers implement and adopt in the coming years? And I guess even as of now. Certainly since I started agronomy to now, the variable rate uh, grid mapping and variable rate applications of, you know, lime, gypsum, phosphorus, potash have certainly uh, made some ground, particularly here on our variable soils. That's been pretty well adopted and I think it's probably got space to be adopted further, particularly in the more marginal environments where, you know, if we have some dry years, we're looking at some cost savings on gypsum and lime and those sort of things. We're starting to see a few optical camera sprays in our area now. If For those that don't know, these are cameras that will either use cameras or sensors and they actually sense the weed and they spray exactly where that weed is and only the weed. So there's a huge potential for cost savings for growers there. Um, instead of blankets spraying the whole paddocks when only 15% of the paddock may be covered by weeds, for example. So the technology with the optical sprays is pretty close to being pretty available to everyone if they're willing to to outlay the cost to get it on their branch roads or upgrade their machines, which is exciting. I, I see that as a sustainability piece where if we can use less chem blanket spraying in the summers, we're going to have, you know, less bloody empty drums laying around, less trucks on the road carting chemical, less fuel being used, all of those things. Um, and going forward, we've been hearing about it for years, autonomous machinery, which is a which is a big one. where have got less labour in ag, less people, um, so people are trying to be more efficient. So it's interesting to see where this autonomous vehicle space will go, whether we will see tractors driving themselves around paddocks in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years here in the Wimmera. Interesting to see how it's going to work, but, yeah, not overly convinced just yet. I think that that's really exciting to hear that you are talking about and thinking about those sort of things. I think obviously you spend a lot of time around the input side of things and to hear that there are a lot of advancements that are coming that people are already trying to implement is really exciting for that sustainability, but also still future-proofing for profitability for farmers as well is really important. As an agronomist, I'm just curious, like, are you guys constantly in the back of your mind researching and thinking about what is going to happen over the next sort of five years or are you looking at what's happening in Europe in terms of certain products being banned and that sort of thing? Like what are you guys doing? Are you often staying on top of those things and having those discussions? Like uh, just a curiosity. Yeah, we do. We This is probably something I spent a lot of time speaking about, particularly the Europe pretty much sort of moulding the, the market and in, in terms of what we can do. Um, there's a lot of chemicals that we use now that are quite helpful to us in terms of Clopyrifos and some other fairly uh, heavy insecticides that we rely on um, that are coming under scrutiny through the APVMA after Europe are looking to ban them for a food safety point of view. So all these things, the goalposts are ever moving for us, so we have to stay educated, which... You know, we are really lucky. We get to go to a lot of training days and a lot of conferences and things where we do get given a lot of information. 
and I guess we have to be the middle the middleman between the grower out in the Wimmera and uh, and what the industry is telling us we need to be moving towards. So, yeah, in agronomy, you're never going to know it all. You just got to keep moving with it. From your perspective, obviously, you know, it's everything's changing, farm sizes is changing. What is it looking ahead? Do you see are some of the things and transitions that we're really going to see, obviously, in a more ecological sustainability, but also just a future-proofing way? Are we going to see, from your perspective, are farms going to get bigger? What What are you sort of starting to see in the transition? Because definitely in the West, we're seeing farm sizes get bigger, um, family farms are turning more family corporate. I'd be interested to see what you think from the Victorian perspective. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar. We are seeing that, even with land prices through the roof and and have risen a lot in the last four to five years. We're still seeing those bigger family enterprises, you know, go from, you know, 5,000 to 10,000 acres and into that more corporate-style setup and even bigger. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And unfortunately, uh, the smaller operator who may not be as, you know, attentive as some of the other farmers, they're going to find it hard to keep being profitable with the cost production. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're so right there. You just also mentioned around the fact that you have been, you go to a lot of events and you get to see a lot of different types of agronomy during different trips and things. Can you share with us a couple or maybe some of the standout agronomy trips that you've been on that have really helped support the future of your career? Because I know you do get to travel a lot for your job. Well, annually, the NRI group, which is what our business is aligned to, the NRI group, um, we do an agronomy trip every year. So was it two years ago, we went to Tamworth, Moree, Gunnedah area, northern New South Wales, and then end of last year, we did a trip to Tassie, and then in August this year, we're doing a trip to Esperance. So we do get a, a good chance to have a look at different parts of the country, although some of the stuff's not overly relevant to our patch here in the Wimmera. It's just good getting in a room like 40 or 50 like-minded people who are all smart and that all different levels of experience and just asking open questions and open dialogue and everyone's quite willing to share. And I think that's where I get majority of my learning from is just chatting to, to people with more experience than me. Yeah, it's very, very valuable when you're trying to learn. You've mentioned a couple of times the power of being around like-minded people. Can you sort of extend and expand on that a little bit? Because I think that there's such power in being around people who are similarly like-minded and have a similar perspective. And I'd love to hear sort of how you feel about that more. I think everyone enjoys it, no matter what your interests are. If you're in a room for the people with the same interests, it seems to work pretty naturally. I just think in agronomy, because it's such a complicated industry and you've got to be across a fair few things, you've got to sort of create a network for yourself where you've got different levels of experience. You know, the guys up at Tamworth and Amps and, you know, the people at Esperance and Farm in general, you know, they're all amazingly smart people and really good agronomists that are dealing with different challenges every day. And if every time you're talking to these people, if you can just pick up one or two little things to take home with you, your knowledge base expands pretty quick. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's so awesome. You've chatted a little bit about some of the biggest opportunities and challenges, but sort of how do you as a business or as a director of a agricultural business sort of navigate planning for the next decade? Like uh, you don't know how you can keep things under your hat, obviously, but like are there things that you guys are doing now to sort of forward plan for the next decade as we sort of see 
agriculture, particularly broadacre, transition? I guess it's hard until we, you know, until the new products actually come to market and be available, but we can't really plan on how that's going to look at a business level. We sort of have to be pretty nimble at the time. I guess at a business operational point of view, you know, we're always looking to be more efficient, you know, provide a safer environment for our staff, all those all those things. You know, you, you just got to keep evolving with what's changing and funny, I guess. Yeah, I think it's always good to be open-minded and just be on the pulse a little bit for sure. Before we wrap it up, my last question to you is, what is your advice for someone in their 20s, probably particularly a young guy that's sort of ambitious, wants to do something, start their own business in agriculture or perhaps become part of another business? What would be your advice to them? Uh, Probably anyone who just wants to get into ag in general. I mean, if you're if you're naturally driven and you're pretty inquisitive, I think you just got to make a start. I can say from my point of view, like owning a business, which I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in, but it's a bloody enjoyable thing to do and you need to be able to care about your people, ask plenty of questions, create a network of knowledge around you. Even if people who aren't in agriculture and have an interest, I don't think it can be quite intimidating for them. I would, I would assume, you know, not being off a farm and having to go to an ag college and all those things, It'd be really scary to do, but I would have thought if, if it's what you want to do, get stuck into it because you'll get noticed. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that you're really right there. I think that when people really show up and show interest, that's definitely something that people in agriculture really acknowledge. And I think that that's great advice. If anyone listens to this back and, you know, wants to reach out and get in touch about how to sort of go about it, I might be able to point them in the right direction. So I'd be happy to yeah, have a chat to anyone that is keen and, um, yeah. Well, you, you beat me to the punch because that's my last questions always. <laughs> Austin, can you tell me if people want to get in touch or learn more about you, where should they head? Um, you can head to the SMS Rural Facebook page. Um, you, you just send a message in there or, yeah, I've got Facebook and, um, and Instagram as well. I probably won't plug it out there just yet, but, yeah, I'm sure if they touch base with you or me or somehow we'll – We'll make it work. Yeah, I'll be the middleman. If you do want to touch base with Austin and you don't want to DM his Facebook business page, just reach out to me and I can put you in touch with him. He's very easy to email as well. I can always give them your email too. Yeah, you can do that. I'm happy with that. So, yeah, yeah anyone wants to get in touch, just flip me a message. Awesome. Austin, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You've been really valuable today. This has been a great conversation. I think that you're definitely one to watch in the industry and look forward to continuing to watch your career thrive. Thanks very much, Lydia. Good to hear from you again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.